This is a Retail Insider Podcast. You're listening to The Weekly. Welcome to this week's episode of The Weekly by Retail Insider. I'm Lee Rivett, and I'm joined with the Editor-in-Chief of Retail Insider, Craig Patterson, to discuss this week's most read articles on retail-insider.com. We're currently recording on January the 8th, 2020, and we just wanted to quickly mention one of our advertisers, JLL Canada, as they're going to be supporting the podcast for the week, and we'll have a brief message from them later on the podcast. So thanks for joining me, Craig. Hello, everyone. And we have three really popular articles for the week, um, but we only have time to focus on two of them. Um, The third that we're going to save for another podcast is the list of international retailers that entered Canada in 2019, because as you can imagine, there's a lot of retailers in there and there's lots to talk about. But uh, the other two articles that were very popular is uh, around the Forever 21 coming back to Canada, which is kind of a big deal. And the second one is the CEO of Harry Rosen gets the Order of Canada and also speaks to us about the future of their stores. So without further ado, the first article being Forever 21 re-entering Canada, the quote that comes to mind for me, since I'm a big Project Runway fan, is Heidi Klum in her German accent saying, in the fashion world, one day you're in and the next day you're out. So for myself, when I heard that they were coming back to Canada after shutting all 44 Canadian stores in 2019, was that quote, of course, in reverse. But at the end of the day, yeah, so Craig, it looks like they're coming back on their website only. But just to confirm, it's not like they're opening up any physical stores again in Canada, right? No, no, not as far as I'm aware. So Forever 21, they there was a press release that came out saying that they were going to be re-entering the Canadian market as well as uh, Latin America, a few other markets in Asia, yeah. um, but only online. So um, I don't think the website is up yet. Uh, Probably it's going to be this month, I believe. But uh, they're going to have a localized e-commerce site, uh, which means that uh, Canadians will be able to go on there. They'll be able to shop in Canadian currency. Uh, They're going to calculate the duties and the taxes. What? Like... Okay, so this is not like going to Lush's website where you can actually go buy, add to cart, and then just is shipped to you and you just open the box and hooray. This is something like going on to Amazon.com, not the Canadian one, the American version, and then buying something and then it shows up at Canada Post and then you have to go pay extra duty before you actually can get it on top of that. Like this is what we're talking about for Forever 21's website. That's right. Right. Yeah, I mean, given that they're talking about the duties and taxes, it's going to be shipped from the United States. So, you know, we'll be shopping on a, you know, localized website, as we would say. But um, this is going to be, you know, basically Canadians buying American product from, you know, an American distribution center. So, you know, we'll have to pay accordingly. And uh, I'm not quite sure I'm sold on that one there. And like when I take a look at their Forever 21 physical stores, of course, they couldn't make a go of it in 2019. So I'm not quite sure how they're going to make a go of it online. But on the other side, like I want your opinion on what the uh, the demise of the physical Forever 21 stores were, because there's a lot of rumors swirling around on the poor customer service or questionable desirability of their product. So if you actually move it to the like actual website format, that kind of takes the human component of customer service out of it um, to the point where it is a smart move for them to do it that way. But at the other side of the fence, then it's also cheaper. They don't have to pay like a monthly or annual leasing fees and they don't necessarily have to pay for for the hourly rage of people potentially giving substandard actual customer service. But at the end of the day too, like, 
this is their demographic or their their customer their their secret sauce is the fast fashion price conscious consumer so if you're going to move to a localized version yes it's going to be in canadian funds but at the end of the day if you're going to be slapping on duties because it has to come across the border then that's going to be adding another barrier to people who are price conscious to the point of where they're in the fast fashion category to begin with so i'm not quite th- sure what you think about that craig i don't know i mean it's we do have a lot of retailers in Canada. Um, Uniqlo, I'm not actually sure if they've done e-commerce here in Canada yet. I have to check, but uh, you know that is in the cards if it hasn't happened already. Um, you know, we mm. actually have a lot of retailers in Canada. Yeah. I mean, Forever 21 was not doing that well in Canada overall. I mean, some uh, you know, I speak to some landlords. Um, you know, they were telling me that uh, you know they were very disappointed with how Forever 21 was doing. I mean, the sales to tanked uh, in some mm. cases. Some of these stores that were over 20 and 30,000 square feet were doing like two under $3 million a year in sales. So they're doing under $100 a square foot in sales. And some of these malls that we're approaching or surpassing $1,000 a square foot, you know, for their non-anchor retailers. And so, you know, Forever 21 was really pulling down the productivity of some of these shopping centers. Absolutely. So why buy it online? Yeah, well, and at the end of the day, like this article is on the re-entrance via a website. So, but to touch upon my other question around the demise of Forever 21 physical, what's your thought on that? Because at the end of the day, like this is going to directly kind of potentially drive their website. I mean, I hadn't set foot in Forever 21 in a few years because I was, you know, well, I shouldn't say that I would set foot, go in, look and leave immediately because (laughs) I mean, the men's selection, I'm a guy, obviously. So, you know, that's what I was looking for primarily, but I go in and I thought, well, this stuff, you know, there's barely anything for men. Uh, I know. The quality did not look very good. Yeah, I wasn't uh, impressed with the styles. I mean, it was a little bit younger and I'm in my 40s now, so I wouldn't really be their core consumer. But, you know, for women's wear, I went with my sister one time and, you know, they looked like they had almost designer knockoff bags, like they had Valentino, mm. Saint Laurent, Chloe. I recognized the yeah. styles, but they looked really cheap. I mean, you'd be better going oh. to, you know, yeah. Canal Street in New York or, or buying fakes <laughs> online than actually <laughs> yeah, yeah, going yeah. Forever 21 and buying, you know, their their plastic bags that, you know, looked not even close to being authentic. So oh, um, yeah, I, I yeah. think that, you know, Forever 21 failed for a few reasons. I mean, you know, the, the product was, you know, in a lot of respects, substandard. substandard uh, yeah. Stores were quite unremarkable. I mean, they started looking really, really cluttered. Um, Christopher Louis, we did another interview with mm-hmm. him for uh, a podcast. He was talking about Forever 21 with me and was saying that, you know, um, he found the stores got really shabby and that, uh, yeah, no, we you know, the customer service was almost non-existent, uh, mm. that it really wasn't, uh, you know, a, a strong retail experience and yeah. that, you know, the, the product wasn't that great. The stores weren't that great. And, uh, you know, after a while you're just like, well, why am I shopping there? So yeah. now, you know, we've got this, uh, e-commerce site and uh well another question that i had is in the article we mentioned a partnership with global e e-commerce solutions so i'm just wondering if that has something to do with the um, duties that would have to mm-hmm. be paid that we were harping on a little earlier because when you take a look at ebay they have a global shipping program that allows international buyer buyers to shop in confidence and it kind of calculates all that for them so that you don't have to necessarily pay it when you receive it but it is a line item that shows up as you're actually purchasing i think so at the end of the day it kind of smoothens out that process it's still another cost but at least it's something that i think that other retailers like forever 21 could learn from with ebay i think so honestly i wasn't familiar with global e until this press release Uh, came. absolutely yeah um i do think that's the case that's that's the impression that i got given the information that we were provided so yeah well and at the end of the day though i think it's like 
like when you take a look at eBay, it's just smoothening out that process. It's not necessarily going and removing it for it. So it's still another cost, which I think is going to be an issue. Absolutely. I mean, and I, I actually, as a consumer, I agree. I mean, re, I ordered something a few months ago from Bulk Supplements, an American website. Uh, it was a product over $150 and I had to pay duty. And I thought, well, my God, I mean, so we're looking at like, you know, 40 and 150 Canadian dollars. Yeah. And then we're well, looking yeah. at 800 American. Now, granted, the United States has, you know, like, you know, so many retailers, so many options that, you know, Americans aren't really having to shop internationally. Yeah. Whereas in Canada, there's stuff we can't get here. I mean, yeah, fair. And I think it might even be a bigger issue for folks that don't live as close to the U.S. border as like myself, for example. If I want to buy something that is available only on Amazon.com, but not available on Amazon.ca, I could ship it to my post office box that I have in Blaine, Washington, and then, you know, make a ritual day out of it where I drive over there, make sure my gas tank is almost empty, and then go fill up in the United States side with some cheap gas and then come back with my package and make sure you declare it as you're coming across to the, the border crossing official and then, you know, be on your way. So like for myself, I can then pick it up there and depending on the mood of the border association person that you may or may not have to pay for it, but make sure you declare. But at the end of the day, I can see how like this could be the beginning of a major shift for online purchases. Absolutely. Yeah. But I think retail is going to change very significantly, very quickly in terms of, uh, I think that there's going to be a lot more online shopping. I think that there's going to be a lot of home delivery. I mean, I think that we're going to see a major shift and uh, Forever 21. I mean, one of the main reasons that I'm questioning whether or not this will be successful is um, we reported last year on a study and mm. uh, I think the title was the halo effect. And yes, I remember it. Yeah. What yeah. they said was that um, when a retailer that has, you know, an online website opens a physical store in a market, they actually see a fairly substantial bump in traffic to that website. Yeah. So what that means is there's a real uh, symbiotic relationship between, you know, physical retail and online retail. I mean, people still will see, you know, if there's a physical retailer in a space like well.ca has started opening stores, they were an online pharmacy. Um, there's sort of a validity or credibility that comes with having physical retail stores, even if they're a place just to engage with the brand, like the Canadian, uh, sorry, Canada Goose store that opened at CF Sherway Gardens. Yeah, uh, right, right. Doesn't have product that you can buy. Um, but yeah, so in, in terms of, you know, this this halo effect, um, you know, with Forever 21 not having physical stores in Canada, but having this online presence, I mean, I don't know if it's going to see, you know, highly successful retail sales in Canada, partly because it's going to really have to, promote itself like crazy to get in front of the consumer because, you know, people still go to malls or, or walk on the streets. I mean, most of Forever Two, almost all of Forever 21 stores were in malls by the time that it had uh, closed. But, um, you know, again, not having that physical presence in Canada isn't going to help their web traffic. So I, I'm not sure how successful this is going to be. So, you know, not to be, you know, a negative about this, but, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't suspect this website's going to be around forever. And just a quick word from our sponsor for the podcast, which is JLL Canada. What's your ambition? Visit jll.ca to see how JLL is here to create rewarding opportunities and amazing spaces around the globe where people can achieve their ambitions. And the second article that we wanted to talk about for the evening is to do with Larry Rosen, who's the current chairman and CEO of Harry Rosen, um, receiving the Order of Canada and also talking a little bit about the direction that Harry Rosen, the company itself, is going to be headed. So, Craig, for myself as a Canadian, I kind of feel ashamed to uh, ask this, but what is the Order of Canada and why is it uh, such a prestigious honouring for Larry Rosen to receive that? I mean, it's an honour bestowed on Canadians who've done something great. And, you know, in this case, Larry Rosen, uh, you know, is really, uh, you know, promoted... uh, 
you know, the fashion industry in Canada has created a, a tremendous uh, retailer. Mm-hmm. I mean, well, just stepping back to the Order of Canada for a second, I uh, since I learned everything from Wikipedia, I just pulled up the Order of Canada there, and it looks like it was established in 1967 as a fellowship that recognizes outstanding merit or distinguished service of Canadians who have made a difference to Canada through lifelong contributions in every field of endeavor. So when you take a look at that and how that applies to Harry Rosen, um, just flipping over to their About page, um, they began back in 1954 with the founder, Harry Rosen, of course, going through and establishing this business, and it just grew across Canada. The reins did pass, of course, from Harry Rosen to the son, Larry Rosen, um, and then that has uh, progressed all the way through till today. Now, not surprisingly, back in 2004, the founder also received the Order of Canada through the, his uh, contributions in retail as well as philanthropy. But uh, no, and it, the retail itself, when you kind of look at it, is pretty much the best high-end men's clothing specialty retailer store in the world, not just for Canada. Um, it's probably the best of its kind in the world. Yeah. Uh, and I mean that seriously. I can't really think of another uh, menswear retailer of that caliber that has multiple locations that is that great anywhere else in the world. So that's pretty incredible if you think about it. Like it's Canadian and it's from Toronto and, you know, has stores around the country. And, uh, you know, that's, that's tremendous. Yeah. And when I take a look at the article, in addition to this great honor, um, when he was being interviewed by our reporter, Mario Tonaguzzi, he did touch upon the future of the Harry Rosen retail chain as well. So do we want to talk about that? Cause it was a really interesting kind of like segue into his business too. Yeah, yeah, it was really interesting because um, Larry Rosen was saying that he envisions that there may be less retail space uh, for Harry Rosen stores in the future. Um, in terms of, you know, some of the stores are quite large, but, uh, you know, things are changing. I mean, it may be the case that there'll be more online sales. And in fact, he was saying that about 10% of sales uh, uh, for the Harry Rosen uh, retail company right now, uh, about 10% are online sales. And he, he thinks that that will go up to 30% within a few years. So that's quite substantial. I mean, in the case of say a suit where you want to get it fitted, or if you want to get a bespoke or, you know, a custom made suit, obviously you're going to go into the store. Uh, actually that's not necessarily true in the future. We <laughs> would be able to yeah. do things online, right? Who knows, right? With passing and a few other technologies out there, but um, you know, it, it's still, you know, if, say a guy knows his shirt size, he's already bought it. He wants another one. He can just order it online. You don't have to go into the store. You know, your neck size and arm size, and you know, it's going to fit you and you have the same brand, a, a Hugo boss, whatever it's going to, you can order it online. So um, there may be a bit of a reduction, uh, you know, in, in the, in the square footage, uh, not saying that there's going to close stores, but um, yeah, you know, that. Well, when you take a look at their footprint, they have 18 stores across Canada for 330,000 square feet. And that's a lot of square footage for that number of stores. So it doesn't surprise me, especially with folks going kind of online ish. Um, but like at the end of the day, Craig, do you think it's more going to be a shifting of the 18 or shifting of the 330,000 square feet kind of view? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I would be more speculating here, but I probably have insight. It's going to be one or the other. I mean, I think that some of the Harry Rosen stores could have been downsized a little bit with David's footwear. That chain no longer exists. Unfortunately, it was under the same uh, ownership umbrella, but in Ottawa, for example, the Harry Rosen store was downsized a little bit for a David's footwear store. So I suspect that the strategy probably was to actually put David's footwear into some of the Harry Rosen stores around the country, which would have reduced the size of those stores. Um, I do actually think that there will be more than one Harry Rosen store at some point that will close. Um, I think there, especially in the GTA in the greater Toronto area, because there are quite a few. Um, 
and there have been more in the past. And, uh, uh, you know, as we see this real polarization to the top shopping centers or the top shopping streets, whichever, you know, it's usually a shopping center at this point in Canada, um, there may be too many uh, stores for certain markets. So, I, you know, I would suspect that we may see fewer of them. I don't think a whole lot fewer. I mean, in markets like, say, Edmonton, you know, there's one store for Harry Rosen. Calgary has two. Um, and actually both are in pretty good locations. I mean, uh, a CF Chinook Center is, you know, a little more robust in terms of its current, uh, you know, retail traffic, I think, compared to downtown in terms of shoppers, not so much office workers. But um, yeah, no, I mean, it, it remains to be seen what, uh, you know, the future is going to be, whether or not we'll see some store closures or even some of the stores, you know, reduce in size. I mean, um, you know, if you've got a large store, in some respects, you know, a, a brand, you know, a retailer could sublease part of that space to another retailer and maybe even make some money from it. I mean, it's it's almost like the whole Renfrew model, except the Holtz doesn't really downsize their stores; they just make them bigger. But uh, nevertheless, you know, that, that may be the case is that they may, you know, sublease some space and, uh, um, you know, look at re- really creating a more, uh, you know, robust showroom environment, and then, uh, you know, look at selling across various channels. And there may be, you know, home delivery, and uh, you know, the stock may not necessarily be in the store um, for a certain item. But, or you may be able to try something on, get your measurements done and say, well, by the time you get home, it's going to be there. Maybe it was delivered by drone. I mean, <laughs> for ways to be seen what the future will be. Well, well, thank you very much for going through these two uh, articles with me, Forever 21, as well as the Harry Rosen Insight that we just went through. And I think that's pretty much a wrap for the evening. So thank you very much, Craig. And also everyone, we just want, wanted to remind you that we do have an email newsletter that goes out that you can subscribe to with a link to with the Canadian news from around the web that we've curated from the previous day as well as links to our exclusive content that we've also put out on our website retail insider so if you go to the address retail-insider.com you can find the subscribe area at the very bottom of the main page so you can get that into your inbox every morning but thanks for listening to this podcast please do describe to be notified whenever new episodes are published and also to help our discoverability ratings to get other people to find us too But if you also have a moment and think we're five-star worthy, please do give us a rating so that we can also help other folks find us too. So thanks again and uh, have a great week, everyone. Thank you so much, everyone. Take care.